You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy start of the NBA regular season this week. The Timberwolves, of course, open on Wednesday. The NBA gets underway on Tuesday evening with a pair of games, and we've got plenty to cover before the Timberwolves actually tip off on Wednesday. Today, we'll talk about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and the other roster moves that the Wolves made over the weekend. Um, Hollis-Jefferson was somewhat surprisingly waived. I talked about last week how I thought he was kind of a shoe in for the roster, but um, obviously financial considerations played into this as well as potential uh, minutes allocations, and so we'll get into that here in a moment. My take on the Hollis Jefferson move, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, weeping and gnashing of teeth on Twitter about this move from one segment of the Timberwolves uh, fan base. And then there's also kind of these, uh, these, you know, folks trying to make cooler heads prevail and in, in explaining that, hey, this isn't that big of a deal. And uh, like like many things, I think there's there's a, a pretty wide middle ground here that I'll, I'll kind of try and, and parse here in a moment. And then I want to talk about my predictions for the Western Conference, for the Eastern Conference, how I think each conference will land. I don't want to talk win totals necessarily today. I'm going to save that for Tuesday's show, maybe Wednesday as well. Um, I just want to talk about finish and where I think the Wolves will finish. And then I'll give a final kind of win total projection before uh, probably on Wednesday's show before the Wolves play on Wednesday evening for where I think the Wolves will end up this year. But today I want to talk about what I think the playoff field looks like, which which teams will be battling it out for the play in games in each conference. And then I want to do three Wolves specific predictions today, not necessarily bold predictions, but things that I, I feel like I can hang my hat on and, and we all can hang our collective hats on regarding this season for the Timberwolves specifically. Um, all right. So that's what we'll do today. Um, lots of lots to get to. So before we do that, though, a quick reminder as always to please subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify on Google podcasts. Um, and, and you can follow us on Twitter at locked on T wolves. That's at locked on T wolves. Don't forget the T and myself on Twitter as well at, at B beacon. That's B and then beacon B E E C K. E-N. I'll be live tweeting probably a little bit from both accounts uh, during this during the games once the season gets underway for real on Wednesday. So be sure to to follow both accounts on Twitter. All right, let's talk about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. So uh, setting this up quickly, Hollis-Jefferson, of course, was on a non-guaranteed camp deal, was added very late in the process, uh, just really right the, the, the days leading into training camp. So really just about two weeks ago. And was seen as kind of a boon of a signing. I talked about John Hollinger had said on The Athletic, um, of course, also of the fantastic Hollinger and Duncan show podcast on the Lockdown NBA Network. Uh, but he had written on The Athletic about how uh, the Hollis Jefferson signing was was one of the best signings. I think he actually called it the best value signing that any team made this offseason, was getting Hollis Jefferson on a camp deal, uh, effectively a prove-it deal, a veteran's minimum contract, non-guaranteed, because he's a, he was a rotation player on a 54-win team last year in Toronto. Uh, he played 20-ish minutes a game. Two years ago, he was on a playoff team in Brooklyn. He's been one of the better perimeter defenders, frankly, across the league in terms of a versatile guy who can guard both forward spots, can play some small ball five. Um, the only real shortcoming to his game is he can't shoot. Um, he can even play make a little bit. He can. He's a decent cutter. And you know, adding a guy who can't shoot isn't ideal for the Timberwolves offense, but that's really the only reason he shouldn't have seen more frequent minutes with the Timberwolves. 
ultimately the Wolves decided, oh, and I should say the other piece of this is he played really well in the preseason. He came in, brought the Wolves back from, you know, he essentially led a 10-0 run for the Wolves in the second preseason game against Memphis, came in, um, got a steal immediately, had a fantastic game. I think he shot six of six from the floor, was energetic, was, uh, you know, kind of the rallying the troops type veteran on the court, but also producing and playing great defense, the type of defense that the Wolves need all of their players to play, frankly, and, and that they haven't gotten. Um, and he played well against Dallas as well in a shorter stint when the Wolves had that comeback. Um, he played most of the fourth quarter when the Wolves were down uh, at one point, uh, I think 18 points early in the fourth quarter and came back and won the game in overtime. Hollis Jefferson was a big part of that. And it seems as kind of a formality that he get the final roster spot. Maybe the Wolves would make another move and they'd open up an additional spot to keep him um, just, just in order to keep that flexibility. But ultimately... The decision, at least at least as described by some of the the beat writers, John Krasinski at the Athletic, and I, I believe, uh, um, I guess he was the main one that tried to explain this on Twitter, is the Wolves figured that that Hollis Jefferson wouldn't get more than ten to twelve minutes per game, anyways, in the rotation. Why use the final roster spot? And then the bigger part is the financial piece. The Wolves are up against the luxury tax. If he's on the roster for you know basically, you know. X amount of the season. I, I don't know the exact math, but if he's on the roster for so many days, the Wolves are into the luxury tax. And is it worth going into the tax for a guy who's going to play 10 minutes a game? And then also if the Wolves have a full roster and end up making a trade soon, then, you know, say they take back two players and send out one, say it's like a, and I'm just throwing this out there. I have no idea, but say it's like Jared Culver and they get two pieces back or, or it's uh, Josh Okogie and they get two pieces back or something like that. Um, then they would have to waive somebody and then eat some salary and, and, uh, you know, maybe agree to a buyout with somebody. And, and there's all that. I mean, there's a couple of guys with partially guaranteed contracts. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt being one, um, there is a guarantee on that deal, but like there's other moves the wolves could make if they need to, but grand scheme of things, they probably figured, and this is just explaining their perspective on it, that they're going to save a, a decent amount of money in the tax. Um, and then they're also keeping this roster spot open. And are these are these concessions, if they were to keep him, willing to make for a guy who's who's not going to play more than 10 to 12 minutes a game? Now, the, the flip side of this is, why would you say he's only going to play 10 to 12 minutes a game when he's pretty clearly your best defensive player, all things considered? That's where my questioning in this move starts. Um, I, I mean, Hoss Jefferson is is as I said before, he can guard the three, he can guard the four, he can play the five. He's an energy guy. He's a veteran. He's the things that you thought you're getting and you're hoping, still hoping you're getting an Ed Davis more on that in a second, but he plays a position that you have a need for. I mean, it's Jake Lim and it's Juancho Hernan Gomez. Neither of them are plus defenders. Um, Hernan Gomez isn't particularly switchable. Lehman's not a consistent enough shooter and has, hasn't proven that he's very streaky. Hernan Gomez hasn't been good in preseason. If you want to add another layer to it, he, he doesn't look like he's completely in shape or with it or whatever. Um, why not keep Hollis Jefferson as a layer of of insurance and also give him the minutes that he seems to have earned in preseason? Now, the other thing we don't know is there's probably some layer of, of uh, there's some, I'm sure there was some mutual agreement here. Perhaps Hollis Jefferson saw the writing on the wall and his agent saw the writing on the wall and said, he's not going to get the playing time here. He, wanted, he wants anyways, unless you can tell us he's going to get X amount of playing time you know, we'd rather be a free agent and, and pick some, you know, wait until rosters are set, wait until maybe there's an injury or two and be able to pick a different destination. Maybe a team that's more likely to make the playoffs than the Timberwolves, or maybe it is the Wolves, uh, depending on how the year starts. There could have been sort of like a, let's, let's stay in the agent's good graces. Let's let him walk. Let's, uh, let's talk this through. And if we need him later, we'll bring him back. But it, it does show a level of comfort and I guess hope 
in some way, or, or at least confident, I guess confidence is probably the better way to say it from the Wolves perspective, that Carl Anthony Towns is going to improve defensively. And he said all the right things, especially after the game against Dallas. He had a quote about how he understands he needs to, he needs to essentially level up defensively, but also Jake Lehman and Juancho Hernan Gomez and, and the, the confidence that those guys are going to improve defensively, that they're going to be leaders for the younger players on this roster. Um, not, not that they're wily old veterans themselves, but, um, you know, a couple three years under three years, I think under each of their belts, um, in the NBA. So I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I get it. It doesn't make sense to pay the luxury tax for a guy that's going to play 10 minutes a game. I just think that, that, um, that this, this really, I think the best way to say this is, is it makes the Ed Davis trade look worse, right? I mean, we don't know yet how the Wolves will use Ed Davis. It's more likely he's the backup five to Towns, but is Nas Reed going to earn minutes over Ed Davis? Um, now Nas didn't play in the first two preseason games. Davis didn't play in the third. Davis didn't look good in the two games against Memphis. He looked a step slow. He looked kind of out of it. He got into foul trouble. Um, he didn't have a good year last year in Utah. I have real concerns that Davis may be washed. And if that's the case and you're paying him $5 million, you gave up a second round pick, giving up Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman doesn't matter. There were, those guys were going to be gone anyways, but the Wolves gave up a second round pick to get Davis. They're not paying him $5 million. I mean, Ronda Hall Jefferson's worth $5 million a year. I mean, I mean, and he can play the five, right? I mean, he played a little bit of five in the preseason. He could be your small ball five. He could be your defensive minded five with, with Nas Reed as your offensive. I mean, as it is now, that's Ed Davis's job is your defensive minded five off the bench. Nas Reed can provide your offense. You can run some of the same sets with Reed that you run with towns because of Reed's ability to stretch the floor. Um, to me, I'd rather have a guy who could play the three, four and five in Hollis Jefferson than a guy who's strictly probably going to play the five, maybe a little bit of four in Ed Davis who is a step slow and far more expensive and, and all those things. And maybe the wolves, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe when they acquired Ed Davis, they didn't know that Hollis Jefferson would be available still. They didn't, they didn't, you know, play that one out all the way. Um, but we'll see, we'll see where this goes. The other thing that's kind of out there and Dane Moore said this on Twitter, um, that the, uh, you, we, we don't know what's coming next, right? Like the example he used was last year in uh, January, February when the wolves traded Teague and it was, you know, what are the Wolves going to do at point guard? Um, and then things came together with D'Angelo Russell. The Wolves, who knows? I mean, I'm not saying the Wolves are so far down the path for a trade, but that could be what this is signifying is that they have this idea in their mind that, that you know, a trade's going to happen for fill in this forward here. So Aaron Gordon or John Collins or somebody that the Wolves think that they're going to get in a trade in the next few weeks to a couple of months. And why go into the luxury tax now? you know, leave the roster flexibility a little, I mean, they don't really have cap space flexibility, but, but they're at least not quite in the tax yet. They're just kind of bumping up against it. Leave the roster spot open, give yourself the ability to make one of these bigger deals down the road. And everything we know about Gerson Rosas and the way he operates suggests that that's what he's trying to do. Um, so all that to say, it's tough to get too worked up about waving a guy who was only going to play 10 minutes a game, who was on a, not a training camp contract and all that stuff. Um, just because he played really well in three preseason games, doesn't mean he was a savior for this team by any means. Um, it's just, it just is a, it's a little questionable in terms of asset management and acquiring Ned Davis. And I think it's fine to be somewhere in the middle on this because Hollis Jefferson deserves to be on an NBA roster. He's a rotation caliber player on a playoff team. And for the wolves to just kind of, uh, you know, say, eh, we don't need him. We've got other guys. That's, that's a little hard to figure until we see the full, the full picture. So it's certainly not something worth, you know, turning in your Wolves fandom card and saying that you don't think Gerson Rosas can, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing or any of that stuff. That's ridiculous. Um, but 
it's fair to, to look at this and be like, okay, well, we'll see what Josh Okoge does. We'll see what Jarrett Culver does. We'll see what Anthony Edwards does. We'll see how Lehman looks defensively. Um, and then we can always look back on this move later and say, hey, you know, if this team misses the playoffs by a game or two and perimeter defense continues to be an issue or, or uh, you know, having some versatility at the four spot continues to be an issue, this could be something we could look back on and say, huh, they had had Hollis Jefferson. They could have made the playoffs. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, 10, 12 minutes a game, if that's really what he was going to get, tough to get too worked up about this. Um, but it would be fascinating to see what happens next in, in relation to the, uh, I guess, the back end of the roster and any future moves that the Wolves make. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Eastern and then Western Conference predictions. I'm just going to give my playoff teams what I think is going to happen. And then from there, uh, we'll talk about some Wolves predictions as well. Before we do that, though, we have a brand new partner here at the Lockdown NBA Network that we're really excited about, and that is betonline.ag. Are you ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this coming weekend. Also, the NFL regular season is finishing up. The playoff picture is becoming more clear. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. And I mean, I mentioned football. Football is obviously heating up. College football is about to get into bowl season. But what about what about NBA betting? If you're in NBA betting, futures bets, prop bets, over-unders, um, I'm actually planning to do some of that on the show Tuesday and probably Wednesday. I'll have a guest. We'll talk over-unders. I'll give my picks for who I would take or who I will be taking on betonline.ag for overs and unders this year in terms of win total. There's plenty to talk about. It's probably, I mean, NBA is certainly my favorite sport to bet and betonline.ag is the best place, the only place that I will be betting this year. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. You can visit our good friends and exclusive partner at, at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Use the promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Their Twitter handle is at betonline underscore AG. Also, let's talk about 1010. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at Blue Nile, Com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day coming up in less than two months, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th. You can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked on Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season. He shares a lock of the day on every single episode. Subscribe to the brand new Locked on Bets podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk 
Eastern Conference first. I, I'm just going to kind of run through my playoff picks and my overall standings in the Eastern Conference, and then just kind of call out a couple of uh, quick talking points, I guess, throughout the, you know, just looking at the conference as a whole. Again, I'll get into win totals over unders on Tuesday's show, but this will just kind of be my prediction for finish, order of finish in the Eastern Conference and the players that I think will be battling, or excuse me, the teams that will be battling it out for those seven through 10 play in spots. So, the top of the Eastern Conference for me, I think the Bucks are clearly the favorite to be the number one seed. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Obviously, Giannis uh, adding Drew Holiday. I think that that they're going to be really good and are clearly the class of the East. I think you could argue about really the next four, Celtics, Heat, Sixers, and Nets. That happens to be the order that I have them in. Um, they're all you know looking at, and I'm not going to get too into, I promise I wouldn't get into to win totals, but betonline.ag has them all kind of in that 43 and a half to 44 and a half win total um, range. And I think the Celtics will finish second. Um, I, I think the Celtics will be the second best team in the East. I do think the Heat are going to be third um, with the Sixers fourth and then the Nets fifth. I struggle with Sixers and Nets. I think you could flop those pretty easily and you could also argue any of them finish third. I think the Bucks are in a tier of their own. The Celtics are kind of in a in a, in a 1B tier and then the Heat, Sixers, and Nets are kind of in that next group um, and I have them finishing in that order. So I have Bucks, Celtics, Heat, Sixers rounding out the home field or home court advantage um, in the East and then I have the Nets at number five and then I have Toronto at number six in the final spot before you have to start worrying about the play-in game. I still think Toronto, uh, you know, Nick Nurse is such a good coach, and I don't know that their roster, you know, changed too much uh, for the worse in the offseason. So I think that they're going to they're gonna stick in the sixth spot. And then seven through 10 is going to be interesting in kind of a, a war of attrition type of way in the Eastern Conference because the bottom of the conference is so putrid. But I've got, finishing in this order at number seven, the Atlanta Hawks. I think they're arguably... Uh, the best or se- probably second or third best um, improved team in the offseason or most improved team. They've really rehauled that roster, adding Gallinari, adding some defensive minded guys, you know, Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo's on that team now. I, they're really trying to shore up those issues that they have defensively, but yet the offense is still getting better. They've still got John Collins, they've got Capella, they've got Trey Young, a bunch of young wings still. It just feels like a, a surprisingly deep roster. Um, and so I have them at number seven, and I think they could challenge Toronto for the sixth spot. Then I've got the Pacers at number eight, which just feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like we can just lock them in as a, kind of a mediocre team every year. Um, so I've got the Pacers at eight, the Magic at nine without Jonathan Isaac uh, with the ACL Terry suffered in the bubble. You know, this is a team that probably could have challenged for like a six spot or something like that, but they're going to struggle to get up to nine. Um, you know, if they were in the West, they'd probably be the worst or second worst team in the West, but I have them at nine. I have the Wizards at 10. And uh, that kind of rounds out, I mean, it does round out the, the teams that would then be eligible for the play-in. I've got the Chicago Bulls at 11 and the Hornets at 12. And those are kind of the other two teams that I think could challenge for the 10 spot that could be better than the Wizards, depending on how things shake out, depending on, um, you know, how Westbrook plays, depending on if I don't think the Wizards will trade badly Beal during the season. But if things take a turn for the worse, you never know. So I think between Beal and Westbrook, the Wizards will manage to make the playoffs or at least the play in game at number 10. But the Bulls should be a lot of fun with Billy Donovan leading the charge there now on the bench. And Zach Levine is somehow, he went from being overrated as just kind of a volume scorer and a, a non-defender. I think he's actually a little underrated now because he's turned into such an efficient and impressive offensive player. If he can play a little bit of defense and the Bulls should open things up more with Donovan as head coach. So I, I would expect them to be a lot of fun to watch this year and have a shot at that 10 spot. And then Charlotte at 12, I, you know, 
I guess I'd put them maybe a, a tier below the Bulls, uh, but they should be fun to watch, of course, with Ball and with Graham and, and PJ Washington and, and the different pieces that they have should be fun to watch. Um, I have them solidly at 12, though. I, I think that the Cavs, Knicks, and Pistons will all be much worse than the Hornets, and they'll definitely all be worse than the Bulls. So I've got the Cavs at 13, the Knicks at 14, and the Pistons at 15. The Cavs may not be quite as bad as people think, um, but they're not going to be good. So I have them at 13. The Knicks at 14 are going to be really bad. And the Pistons um, are probably going to be the worst team in the league. They may actually finish with a better record than the Thunder just because the Thunder will have a tougher schedule being in the Western Conference. Uh, but I have the Pistons at 15. So uh, the top six, Bucks, Celtics, Heat, number three, Sixers, Nets, number five, and Raptors, number six. Those teams will all be in the playoffs, according to me. And then seven through 10, the playing games, um, the Hawks, Pacers, Magic, and Wizards will be seven through 10. And then the non-play-in, non-playoff teams in the East in order, the Bulls at number 11, Hornets at 12, Cavs 13, Knicks 14, and Pistons 15. Um, Let's go right into the Western Conference, and then I'll kind of segue that into the final segment today, which will be a couple of Wolves predictions, and I'll save some for later in the week, um, and then I'll kind of recap them all so we can track how I do on these predictions here when it's all said and done, which seemed like a good idea last year until the year never really ended, so I didn't really revisit my predictions from last fall, uh, but we'll definitely do that this year, um, provided that there's, you know, knock on wood, no major interruptions, uh, no hiatuses to uh, to this season. Um, but in the Western Conference, I have uh, no surprise that LA Lakers, number one in the Western Conference, I have the Clippers at two. I didn't feel great about it. Um, I put the, the Dallas Mavericks at number three, and I wanted to have them at two. I talked about this on Friday's show that I really like the Mavs this year. I think that they're uh, one of the more intriguing teams and, and one of the more improved teams, believe it or not. I think if Porzingis stays healthy, which you could say about any team, you know, the whole if they stay healthy thing. So I'd try to avoid that. But with Chris Epps Porzingis, it's a legitimate question mark. Um, if he does stay healthy and Luka Doncic progresses as people think he will, then this team very well could be the second best team in the West. For now, I've got them at three because there's some of those kind of lingering question marks. Um, but I really like the Josh Richardson addition. I like that they've shored up their perimeter defense. I liked all of their draft picks, not that those guys are going to play a ton, um, but I thought that they continue to build that roster and make it deep. Um, and and I think they're going to be certainly a top three team in the West and could challenge the Clippers for the number two spot. Um, and of course, the Lakers may not end up being the number one seed, depending on how much rest LeBron James gets and Anthony Davis. And um, but that roster only got better, adding Montrez Harrell, um, et cetera, Dennis Schroeder. I'm not the biggest Schroeder guy, but he's going to add an element to that team that they didn't have previously. Um, so they may or may not be the number one seed. They are the best team in the West when healthy and, and all that. But I'll go Lakers, Clippers, Mavs in the West. The four seed, the Denver Nuggets. I have the Blazers up at five. And this is kind of where I started to struggle was Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz at four, five, six. And then I have the Phoenix Suns at seven. You could argue that the Suns could be as high as four, as low as seven, but they're going to be in that range. Um, so I I did sort it out with Nuggets at four. I just think that they're assuming Michael Porter Jr. is, is you know, 80% of what they think he is, this team is going to be really good again. Um, and they're going to be at four, the Blazers at five, Jazz at six. I think Conley will be better this year. I think Gobert will be um, his typical self. I think Donovan Mitchell will be really good. Um, I, I think that the Conley bounce back is is in part, you know, what I, I think that's going to happen. And that's why I have them at six and not any lower. But it wouldn't shock me if they slid to seven or eight, just depending on how, you know, how that all works itself out. If Conley plays like he did last year, if there's injury issues again, then this team is, could 
be fighting for their playoff lives, but I have them at six. Um, the Blazers at five, I can't really put them any lower. Um, I know they didn't finish last year strong, but I think Terry Stotts is such a good coach. Um, and, and I think they're going to bounce back a little bit this year. They added Robert Covington. They had a really good off season. Um, so I have them at five jazz at six Suns at seven. It's hard to see a team with Chris Paul finishing much lower than that. Um, again, the whole, if they stay healthy type of a thing, but I do think there'll be seven with some upside of being as high as six or five, but seven to me feels right. I don't think there'll be much lower than that. The Houston Rockets, I did not know what to do with, um, because James Harden may or may not be on that team much longer. John Wall may or may not be good after not playing for basically two years. Um, so I've got the Rockets at eight kind of splitting the difference. I mean, their ceiling is probably like four or five and their floor is the bottom of the conference because if, if they trade, if wall isn't the John wall of old and if Harding gets traded, then they're probably going to bottom out. And this is a bad, this is a bad team. So I, frankly, I didn't know what to do. So I just put them at eight because that seems right. I, I basically averaged out what I think their outcomes could be. And I put them at eight. Okay, before we continue with the play-in games with the nine and 10 seeds and where I have the Timberwolves ranked, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time, hands down. Tastes exactly like a candy bar. There are 18 amazing flavors. There's 12 original flavors. They've introduced six brand new flavors with a fantastic new taste. Those flavors are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're perfect for the health-conscious guy or gal. Help you lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious, fantastic treat. The bars are all low calorie. They're low in sugar, high protein, and high in fiber, perfect for the keto diet. And right now, for a limited time only, you can get a free cooler with your purchase, but only while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On Podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we've covered the top eight teams in the West. We covered the Eastern Conference. What I want to do is finish talking about the West, and I'm actually going to save my Timberwolves predictions for later in the week, instead of splitting these up, I think it makes more sense to just run through them on Wednesday. So Tuesday, I'll talk over unders. I'll talk prop bets league wide, you know, a couple of specific things um, that are out there on betonline.ag. And um, I'll have a guest. We'll talk over unders and all that good stuff. And then Wednesday, I'll do my Timberwolves predictions and a preview of the Pistons home opener against the Wolves on Wednesday evening. So that'll be what we do for the first three days of this week. We do have a show coming up on Thursday. That'll be, uh, we'll talk about Wednesday night's opener and kind of preview the, the coming days. We will not have a show on Friday. Of course, that's Christmas day. So we'll, we'll cover everything for the weekend and, and games, you know, two and three on the Wolf schedule on Thursday show. So we do have a packed week ahead and we're going to spread out this, these predictions, these previews over, over today, Tuesday and Wednesday. So be sure to, to tune back in for those shows. So uh, quickly right now, what I have so far in the Western conference is I have the Lakers at one, the Clippers at two Mavs at three nuggets, blazers and jazz at four, five and six. I have the Suns and Rockets as the first two teams in the uh, that seven to ten window. Of course, the way that this works, if you haven't seen it, is that 
the seven and eight seeds in each conference from the regular season will play each other in a play-in game. The winner gets the seven seed. The loser will play the winner of the nine, 10 play-in game and will have to win that game in order to get the eight seed. So if you finish nine or 10, you have to win two games in a row to make the playoffs. If you finish seven or eight, you only need to win one game. If you lose though, it's essentially double elimination. You get another chance to win and still make the playoffs as the eight seed. So um, I'm lumping the seven to 10 together Obviously, if you're the seven seed or the eight seed, you have you only need to win one game to be in. If you're nine or ten, you need to win two games. But for the sake of making this more concise, I'm lumping seven and seven to ten together because either way, you're playing a plan. Um, so I have the Suns at seven and the Rockets at eight. I have the Pelicans at nine. Um, there's a temptation to put them higher. The excitement with Zion Williamson, the way that they've continued to build this roster up, Stan Van Gundy, um, they should be fun to watch. They're going to be better defensively, I think, with him as coach but there's still question marks. There's obviously health question marks with Zion. There's, uh, you know, we've only seen him for, for a a short period of time as a pro. I I mean, he's good. I'm not saying he's not good, but there's, there's still, you know, there's a level of, they've got to prove it there still. Um, but, uh, I've still got them nine because I think they're going to be a good team. They're going to be a probably right around or slightly above 500 team in, in the difficult Western conference. And then at number 10, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves. I do think that the wolves are going to, are going to flirt with that 500 mark this year, uh, which in a 72 game season, the the totals are all weird, but obviously that's, that's 36 and 36. I think they're going to flirt with that mark and maybe surprise some people with, with what they're able to do this year. Um, I struggled with this. I put the Grizzlies at 11 and the Warriors at 12. I do think in some order, I, I think the Suns are a pretty safe playoff team. The Rockets are, as I said a minute ago, all over the place. So I think the Rockets, Pelicans, Wolves, and Grizzlies will be kind of the four teams fighting for those three spots. You could throw in the Warriors and Spurs. I tend to think the Warriors and Spurs will be a, a half notch below the group that's the Rockets, Pelicans, Wolves, and Grizzlies. Um, I put the Wolves at 10 because I, I think that the star power of Towns plus whatever D'Angelo Russell can bring, if they truly improve defensively, it's going to be better than the Grizzlies um, who are going to have some of the same issues. Um, I Obviously, the Grizzlies took care of the wolves pretty easily in the preseason, but, um, you know, I'm not really, that doesn't really matter. Um, so it'll be fun to see those teams play when they match up again in in the future in the regular season. But I I truly, I really think that those two teams are going to be the ones kind of right on that 10, 11 cusp. Um, I have the Warriors at 12 because outside of Steph Curry with an injured Clay Thompson, I mean, is Draymond Green going to be Draymond Green? He's hurt right now. He's been hurt. Um, he didn't look like himself last year when he was when he was on the court. I don't even know if he was really healthy. Um, Kelly Oubre is good. He's exciting. Andrew Wiggins, uh, kind of the same thing, but those guys are both players with the idea of them is better than their actual production, both Oubre and Wiggins. Um, and so I, we'll see what they're able to bring to the table, how much better Steph Curry can make them. But we haven't really seen, we haven't seen James Wiseman yet. We don't know how much he'll play, what he'll look like, what this team does at center is always a question mark. Um, so, I, Steph Curry's fantastic, obviously, but there's also this kind of level of, of concern in my mind uh, for them. Like if they get off to a slow start, similar to last year, remember they started one and three before Steph got hurt. Could they just mail it in for another year and just kind of say, let's, you know, get, we have that extra first round pick most likely coming from the Timberwolves. Um, we have Clay Thompson coming back next year. Let's just punt another season and keep accumulating talent. I, I don't think they're too far off from pulling that 
lever uh, if they get off to a slow start. And so that's why I have them down at 12. Um, but, but obviously there's a ceiling there, you know, with Steph Curry, that's, that's m- much higher than that. I just, I worry about what else they have around him um, from their perspective. So I do think they'll finish 12th. I have the Spurs at 13. Um, their range is probably somewhere from like nine to 13. 13 uh, is probably about as bad as they're going to be. Uh, but you have some concerns with the age of, of some of the pieces there, some health issues as well. I, you know, Derek White is great. I think that they, again, did a good job in the draft. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is still very, very good and somehow still underrated, but the West is just too tough. I have them at 13. I have the Kings at 14 and the Thunder, who are going to be actively tanking at some point, if they're not already, at 15. Um, they're going to go as far as Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Al Horford if he plays. How far they take them is what's going to happen with Oklahoma City. And in the West, I don't think that'll be very far. I think it's very likely they end up with the worst record in the entire NBA, given just how difficult the West is. Um, and, you know, the Kings are another—I have the Kings at 14, but there's not all too dissimilar from the Wolves. I mean, they don't have that bona fide superstar like Carl Anthony Towns, but they've got a few pieces, and you could argue that their rotation is just as good as the Wolves, you know, the— the, the, the sum of all the parts. Um, I think the star power of the wolves will be better. And I, I'm not sure that Luke Walton's going to get things to click in Sacramento this year necessarily. So I, that's why I have them at 14. Um, so quickly the West, I have the Lakers at one. I have the Clippers at two Mavs at three and nuggets at four. Five and six are the Portland Trailblazers and Utah Jazz. The seven through 10 play-in seeds are the Phoenix Suns, Houston Rockets, Pelicans, and the Timberwolves at number 10. And then I have Grizzlies, Warriors, Spurs, Kings, Thunder as 11 through 15. Plenty of variance there, probably from 8 to 12. And then again, you know, the Spurs could crash that party. I think that's certainly possible. Um, again, I'll get into over-unders, win totals in, in my thoughts there, my my what my best bets would be on betonline.ag on Tuesday. Um, and I'll have a guest to talk through that as well. So that'll be Tuesday's show. Um, and then... Again, Wednesday, I want to talk through Timberwolves predictions and a preview of the Pistons game on Wednesday evening. So thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to Locked On Wolves on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves. That's at Locked On T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And of course, as always, you can give us a uh, review on Apple on iTunes, and that definitely helps us out, helps us get in front of more eyes and ears. So if you're so inclined, that would be an awesome help if you could do that. A reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.